Ciao ragazzi and benvenuti to the 36th episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell. I'm broadcasting from the positively tropical Paisley in the west of Scotland, far away from the shadow of Vesuvio. But joining me live on the line is Michele Borelli, who is in the shadow of Vesuvio in Naples. A rather sad, mournful Michele following the... um, Two on defeat to Lazio. Sorry to remind you. How are you? Have you managed to salvage any kind of joy on this Sunday? You know, it's always dangerous to have a podcast right after a home loss. I think I've told you many times. When you asked me to record, I told you, you know, maybe we should wait a couple of days. But this time we didn't. And yeah, I mean, you will be responsible for it. Okay, that's good. I like it. Um yeah, I mean, you could be honest here, but maybe, I mean, you've always said that going to the stadium is a bit like therapy uh, yeah, when things aren't, aren't going well. So I hope this will serve a similar function. Um, yeah, so, right, let's get formalities underway before we start to pick things apart. Um, it's number 36. What is number 36 in the Napoli Tombola? Okay. Number 36 is E Castagnel. E Castagnel which would be Nacere in Italian and Castanets in English. Okay. There you go. Yes. Very Do they have a filthy, a filthy connotation? Oh, man. Today is like fully said, you know, Napoli lost, not dirty numbers. You know, it's just like that kind of episode. We don't even have some filth to, Nothing. to cheer our lives. Well... Okay, well, you were telling me beforehand that I think we obviously we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about what it was like in the stadium to watch that loss. I think we'd be quite good to talk about football a bit, and particularly Rudy Garcia and how he's setting the team up and what you've noticed from your position in Cordova B. Um, we might talk a little bit about Sassuolo and a little bit about general vibes around ticket prices and stuff like that, but before we do. You had a pizza after the defeat, right? Yes. So, and perhaps that tells the best story of of what it was like um, to experience the loss against Maurizio Sarri's Lazio. What What was this pizza? Can you Can you paint a picture of of Michele after the game, sadly walking out of the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, getting on your scooter and having a shit pizza? Yeah, so usually after games, I always have, like, especially after evening games, I always have something to eat because I don't eat before. I eat just after the games. And usually we go for our ignorant panino. So if we win, it's a celebratory panino. If we tie or lose, it's a consolatory panino just to cheer us up. Uh, I was headed to for an ignorant panino, but my friend, like a pizza today. He said, Oh, no, yeah, in my diet plan, Saturday is pizza day. I said, okay, whatever. I mean, it's not. Oh, you have a fun. friend with a diet plan. Wow. You you mix in, in stellar circles. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was sad, though, to hear, but it's okay. So, so yeah, we, we just picked a place for a pizza. And the funny thing is that it's a place close to the stadium because I didn't feel like honestly going anywhere. And, you know, Saturday evening, it's already. Every, everywhere is busy, uh, it's full of mm. like crowds and people everywhere. So uh, we just picked a place like where we've been before, actually, next to the stadium. Uh, I don't feel like saying the name. 
no, because I'm gonna say a lot. Of, let's not I destroy know. businesses. No. Yeah, because I'm gonna say, you know, this was this was such a bad pizza. And the thing is, it has stellar reviews on Google Maps. Like, st- like it's almost five out of five and hundreds and hundreds of reviews. But the pizza was so bad, man. So bad. Like, was honestly, the pizza was as good as the game was. Was... What was wrong with this pizza? What's I mean? I mean, I understand that that bad pizza exists in Naples, but I, I sound a bit like a tourist. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of terrible places to get pizza in Naples. I mean, if I had this pizza in London, I would say it's good, but in Napoli, <laughs> it was like it was like an oval pizza, like weirdly shaped. It was very crunchy and dry, and even the menu was like they had, they had like six pizza on the menu. And I I asked for a croquet as a starter, and they said, "Oh no, we are out of croquet, so we can only give you French fries." And I didn't I didn't feel like I didn't feel like fries, and um, but my friend did, so he ordered them. It was just like the usual, you know, average fries you buy, you buy free uh, frozen, and you just uh, it was just like very subpar dinner, very sad, very sad. It very well reflected the mood at the moment. Which is maybe the not chefs, ideal. But maybe the chefs were all Napoli fans and they were just like, they'd given up. They're like, fuck it, what's the point of life? I mean, they clearly were. It was like, a, it was a family business. And the guy, I mean, they, they, were, they were very nice people. It was just like three people working there in total. Mother, father, and son, literally. And the oh. guy, the son, yeah, father was the pizzaiolo. Mother was the, you know, in charge of the finances and behind the cash registry and the, and the son was the waiter. And uh, yeah, we spoke a little bit about the game because he, he approached me. Like my friend went outside to smoke. And uh, yeah, I was just sitting alone at the table and he approached me saying, yeah, I know we're all set today because I guess I've, I looked I looked way too depressed. So he <laughs> felt like, like... Mate, it's got to do the football. It's to do with your awful pizza, mate. Yeah, I guess I was just like, <sighs> like every two seconds. I don't even realize it. I've been told I do that a lot when I'm sad. But I don't even I don't even realize it. So well, I yeah. I have seen you sad whilst eating a pizza in in Glasgow, and I can confirm you looked very miserable. Um, I put chips on pizza. Is that incorrect? What do you do? I put chips on my pizza when I eat pizza. Um, for me it's personally, not, it's I not mad, it, is it? It's not mad because they actually have it here in Naples. I think it's wrong. I think it's really wrong. I think it's as bad as putting ketchup on pizza. It's just that I don't know. For some reason, it's it's accepted here, but I think it's wrong. It is not wrong to put um, wooden, uh, sorry, oven-baked potatoes on pizza. So patate al forno. Yes. Oh, that's that is, nice. That yeah, is yeah. correct. That is fine. Roast potatoes, yeah. Yes, roast potatoes. But... Nice. But no, just like chips, fries, whatever. No. Also, I, I, li- I think, I listeners, whilst we're talking about pizza etiquette, uh, I have to reveal a, a personal fact about Michele, that he removes the basil off his pizza. You don't like basil on your pizza, do you? No, I like the flavor. I like I like the taste of it. I just don't like the texture. And fortunately, my girlfriend loves basil, so the first thing I do when we get pizza, I just I just pick up all my basil and just throw it on her pizza and she thanks me for it amazing no i mean yeah there we go so i mean yeah you had a terrible pizza i had one beer too many 
after the game. I was out with us, a, a really great colleague of mine called Paul. Met his wife for the first time, Peggy, top lass. Uh, but yeah, one beer too many. And so waking up today, having lost to Lazio as well, they're definitely in my top three least favourite football clubs in the world. Um, so, right, let's let's start to think about how the stadium is this season. Okay, so we we didn't cover Sassuolo. I don't think we should cover it now, really. But what? how would you characterise... Because basically, we've had a victory and we've had a loss. How would you characterise the general feeling amongst the Curva? So did yesterday completely destroy everything or was everybody fairly philosophical because we've lost Spalletti, et cetera, et cetera? Like, what's the, what's the general feeling in that Curva after... That two one loss, would you say? I think, you know, people. I mean, it's way too early to be depressed. I would say probably after the game, I didn't see anything too extreme. You know, people were sad. Um, they weren't. I would say they weren't angry. They were just sad and depressed. But what struck me the most was during the game, everyone was like, "What the hell is going on?" It was. Like the, like just like the general confusion well, we were seeing in front of us, like especially during you know when Lazio scored those two goals that eventually were called offside, it was like they it was so easy for them to to score those those two goals. They were just like, oh. what's going on? And they had a couple of other chances similar, and yeah, it was just it was like, what the hell is going on? It's like I don't know. It's yeah, it was it was such a weird moment of the game that one. It was fun to see everyone just reacting. I mean, that first disallowed goal, there was one Napoli player. What I think it was Juan Jesus of all of all people, of all the people you want as your one man army against the world. I would not pick Juan Jesus. I wouldn't pick him to make me a sandwich, to be honest. But I wouldn't pick him. There was one, and there was something like six Lazio players that all blitzed past and scored that goal. What were you? What? I can't place which curve I was where. So where where were you for the, for the second half? Were you behind the goal? Or were you on the other side? Oh, what a plastic question! Wow, well, they, f- they flip it. Wow. They change it every week. Yeah, but I'm always on the left side. Like compared to the main television camera, I I'm on the left. That's, I think they I I think they change it in the broadcast because no. whenever I think I know I'm wrong, but I could just be a plastic. No, no you are a pl- you could you are. We know that you are. No, man. They don't have any they don't have any camera on the other side, on the distinctive stand. So the main camera is in the Tribuna Posiliboy. And if you take that as a reference, I'm always on the left side of the of the pitch. So in the second half, I was where Meret was, where our yep. goal was. So yeah, they scored in front of my, in front of me. So that both, must have been goals, ve- very strange. Okay, so there's a sort of mixture of but there isn't Let's do an ADL watch. Um, any rumblings of discontent about ADL that you're noticing, or is this is the truce being maintained? No, man. I think the ultras are now domesticated. You would say the <laughs> housebroken ultras. They will never again chant anything against De Laurentiis because De Laurentiis handled them perfectly. Like honestly. Like it should be taught in schools the way he ended the ultras, and the the way they turned from like rabid dogs against the Atlantis to lovely 
puppies. It's it's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's just like it's a little bit to me. I think it's shameful because they. I mean, it is. I mean, they serve the purpose. So, mm. for example, if they raise ticket prices too much, they would make their voices heard about that, and that was. I mean, that was good in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. That will not happen I... anymore for the foreseeable future. Okay. That's, it turns that's out good. they didn't really care about the overall well-being of the fan base. They only cared about themselves. So they got what they wanted for the most part and they're happy. Right. So, okay. Generally speaking, there isn't panic. There's a bit of confusion about what the hell's going on. And ADL still is in the good books. Um, I wanted to ask you some specific things now. So, Early last week, you picked up on how good Kim was very quickly. I remember one of the first shows that we did, you you were like, this Kim guy is the real deal. He's very good at organizing the back line. You picked up on that really yeah. quickly. I'm a and that was, the, that was the big thing that I was worried about, was losing that leadership. Now, and this isn't a provocative question, I promise. Like, But like, how does the communication between the back line compare that you've seen from Kurova B over the past two games to what we had last season? Particularly thinking about Rachmani and, and Jesus. Is the, they're the same leadership? Is there the same communication? I mean, you know the answer. But yeah, but yeah, just talk me, talk me through what you see with your eyes there because you're so close to them. For half, yeah, half so, the yeah, especially in the second half, which was the nightmarish half, we were like, our defense was towards Kurva B, so I could see, unfortunately, I could see very well what was happening. And, yeah, no, it was like one point, in one moment, I remember, like, um, you know, like, amidst all the confusion, I could, like, I, I, it was very clear to me how bad the chemistry was between Juan Jesus and Rachmani. It was just, like, a lot of empty spaces in the back line, everyone, every man for themselves, even the goal, um, even the goal of Lazio scored in the first half. I mean, you can tell, you know, like, I mean, that guy was totally alone in the middle of our box. Like, has it ever happened? Like last year, I can remember. Hard to say, but it's. Was, well, it I've was got really a theory bad. about this. I've got a theory, but I want to hear more about about the the the, the back line from from you. In my opinion, I mean, it's early to say what, what, what was going on. Just like based, based on yesterday, I can tell you that it was just like, in my opinion, it, they went, it was total chaos. It was total chaos. It was really hard. It was, I don't know, man. It's like they didn't defend as a, as a team, in my opinion. Mm. And, you know, just like I don't know, man. I just, I just don't like one Jesus. I guess it's really, yeah. really bad. And Rachmani has one some of the worst feet I've ever seen, like ever in the football world. Like this guy should not be responsible for long passes because he's really, really bad at them. And there was quite a lot of misplaced long passes, particularly in the second half, that were was quite dispiriting to see, particularly off the back of of last season. And I think fair enough, Garcia wants to set the team up to be more direct. But, you know, I absolutely hate Leonardo Bonucci, right? I hate his guts. He's a racist idiot. But, you know, if you have a player like that at the back who can distribute passes properly, fair enough. But if you've got Juan Jesus and 
Rachmani. It's just not going to work, is it? Um, could you see Rachmani in the past two games step up in terms of his like leadership and the way he's calling the line in the way that that Kim did, or was is there no noticeable difference? Would you say? I think I'm. I've noticed a few players changing the way they approach games compared to the past, and I am afraid that. This is not out of design. This is not something that was planned. This is the players on the pitch adapting to the situation, but on an individual level, which worries me a lot because it means that they don't act as a cohesive team, as a cohesive group. Um, I noticed that with uh, Rachmani a little bit. I noticed that with Lobotka quite a lot, actually, and also um, Angisa. Um, he had a terrible game. Ongisa had an absolutely terrible game. Yeah, the thing is that... I, I think he was at fault for that first goal because he didn't pick up on Luis Alberto. Um, I thought um, Oliveira was slightly slow to pick up on um, the left-winger dude and that brought Juan Jesus towards him and then Ongisa did not pick up on Luis Alberto. Yeah. That's my reading of it, but you know. Yeah, not the same. Uh... But, you know, when you have games like this, it's hard to judge individual players because when nothing works, when nothing works on a team level, you know, everything becomes so much harder. Do you remember when we had Sarri and even Spalletti, but especially with Sarri, it was more evident. Uh, all our players seemed like like all-time champions of the sport. You know, like even his eye looked like a beast. and Because I think there are some... Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, there are some there are some systems where you know it's easier to make players look better. In the study system, in the study system, everything was very much like ingrained into our players' mind. They knew what to do all the time. So they didn't risk too much, in my opinion. They didn't try to do anything way too complicated. So, you know, like they got everything like perfect, like most of the time, because they knew what to do. Uh, all every time the players had like two, three options for passes, and so it makes it makes their jobs easier and they look better. And we were led to believe that some of them were these amazing players, which in the end, maybe it wasn't the case for some of them. They were like good players in an amazing mm -hmm. system. So now I want to you know, the opposite uh, mistake of judging these players, you know, based on yesterday's games or the future games. Because in my opinion, the system was wrong. Like it was a tactically horrible game yesterday. And when you have no way, like when you're in a disadvantage, tactically speaking, it's it's quite a problem for the individual players because they don't know what to do. They have the ball, they look around them and they don't, don't see any passing options. And so there are, there are two things they can do. They can either go back and pass to Meret and do, I mean, just like a basic useless pass, or they can do something risky and they can try a pass, which is not really obvious, but just to change things up a little bit. And this is what happened yesterday a few times. And, you know, this is why, you know, Rachmani had all this, those horrible passes. Um, yeah, and I and think, his, yeah, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right to pick up on the system rather than the individual players. Like they can't go from Scudetto winners to what we saw yesterday because they're suddenly bad players. 
I think, yeah, I mean, getting Rachmani to try to be Leonardo Bonucci doesn't make any sense. You you picked up on Lobotka. I'd quite like to talk about him because for me, as a plastic watching at home on the sofa, he's being crim- criminally underused and often bypassed. And it really seems like um, the shape of the midfield is wrong. Like it's become much flatter. And I think that they're not being used anywhere near as much as, as they used to. Weirdly, Zelinski's played, I think, really well for for three games. But Ongisa and Lobotka in particular, I think, have not been really at the races. Although Ongisa did play well against Sassuolo. But I think it's weird, isn't it, to have a player like Lobotka and to not make him the conductor of the team doesn't make sense. What does he look like then in the flesh? Is he getting frustrated? Does he look lost? What's the what's the sort of what's your opinion on on what you see with your eyes? So I look at Lobotka quite a lot during games because he's my favorite player in the team and he's my favorite and it's my favorite position in a team, you know, the regista. So I, I care a lot about what happens there in that part of the pitch. And I've noticed three things about Lobotka yesterday, which surprised me a lot. So first of all, I noticed that he was getting frustrated quite a bit. I saw at one moment, maybe and these are the things that we, sh- we which you don't really pick up on you know, on television, because you can, like, you, you only see what they want you to see, right? I mean, that's what, what's showed on television. So at one point, we were trying to, you know, it was like during the second half, and then I was already frustrated. Um, he tried to uh, get the ball from, I think, Rachmani. And, like, Rachmani didn't see him at all. Like, he went from, like, a much harder, like, stupid pass somewhere, I can't remember. And Lobotka, like, he did some kind, like, something with his hands, you know, to, to convey frustration in general, not even to Rachman, just in general. And if he does that, it means that, first of all, the game is not going our way. And secondly, it is not the first time it's happened to Lobotka during that game. Because Lobotka is not really the kind of guy who complains. It was like an like Aussie man level of complaint, which like over the top and like everyone can see. But it was very subtle. And I noticed that because I specifically look at Lobotka when this thing happened. Another thing I noticed, the second thing was that Lobotka, um, you know, compared to the past, Lobotka during this game, I think, didn't um, offer himself himself too much to passes. I think that's not, which is something I like. Honestly, I hate that one of the things I hate the most about football and regista role is when the regista kind of hides behind opponents and doesn't yeah. offer himself to for uh, to passes. This is something that Lobotka never does. It's very that's why I love him because it's very ballsy. Even though the situation might be difficult, is man mark. He always free himself up for for passes. And at one point during the second half he didn't anymore. Like, it was a very clear moment when we needed him because we struggled to find passes from the center backs. And he was just hiding between two Lasso players. Like the, the lack of urgency I saw yeah. from the whole team, from the whole team, but especially from the key players. And Lobotka was one of them yesterday. That worries me a lot. That worries me a lot. That makes me believe that it's not just like, a, 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 like, like Napoli said after the game, like an unfortunate event. You know, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, that's what worries me the most. It's just like a lot of, small signs I've saw during the game. And the third thing uh, I saw about Lobotka 
was that he was much more present going forward yesterday. Mm -hmm. And this is something well, about vodka. There was a chance. That's something yes. you were talking about last season. You wanted to see a bit, a bit more. Exactly. That's why when I see him do that, I'm happy because I think he's capable of it. Like mm. I think, like he doesn't believe in himself, in himself too much, because he, I think it's actually as absurd as it sounds. Because he was one of the best players of last season. I think it's way better than he actually shows yeah, yeah. because he's confined in this defensive register role. And I mean, that was obviously something that Spalletti told him to do. And it worked perfectly. So I, I didn't complain, obviously. I mean, we won the Scudetto, so we have nothing to complain. But I think that Lobotka, if we found a way to involve Lobotka going forward, like much closer to the opponent's box, I think we're going to gain a lot of... I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be incredible for us. So that, that's my feeling about Lobotka. And yesterday he did that. But I, again, I, yeah, I mean, he did that, he did that like a two or three times. Which is surprising because usually he does that. Like with Spalletti, it was like once every five games. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I was there for one of them. I saw him score that amazing goal on the last exactly. day of the season. Exactly. The season before that. So it was yesterday, pretty good. Yeah. He did that on he did that like three times in one game. And I noticed like I noticed them because I'm I'm happy when he does that. But again, it worries me because I feel like this is not something by design. This is not something that the team prepared. This is just something like especially yesterday for the the, the the chance where he was supposed to shoot and he actually tried to pass like yeah. it was so clear to me that it was just like okay yeah I happen to be here let's see what happens so he tried to go forward he was lucky with some rebounds and uh, yeah I yeah. mean he's not used to that position so when he's there he always thinks about passing doesn't think about shooting I think he learned from it because in the second chance he had he he actually shot but very badly <laughs> like it was a weak shot he's just not yeah. used to it he's not his it's not what he does. To, he could get the, better, though. Exactly. There could be a bit of a focus on that in training. I'd say that was like the one of the only positives. And I suppose if we're being really generous to Rudy Garcia, I suppose we'd say this is the third game that he has. Clearly, there's some confusion on the pitch with the players or some indecision or some ambiguity around what people's roles are. I think, in particular, the midfield off the ball seemed much less coherent from what I could see sat on the sofa. And that led, I think, to both goals that that we conceded and also the two. I mean, the two disallowed goals were just embarrassing like in terms of what the shape of the team was and how open we were to the counter-attack. Like, I haven't seen that from Napoli since like the really bad days of Carlo Ancelotti um, when we had like a double pivot of Zelinsky and Elmas, which is like the most like paper-thin spine in the history of the world. So... Yeah, but the positive potentially could be he's doing some work on Lobotka to try to turn him into more of an all-round midfielder. And those three are going to have more flexibility about taking each other's roles. But then I worry about it because he was such a good register. He was probably the best register in Europe last year. Why would you change it? I suppose that's my question to you. Do you think that Garcia is trying to change too much too soon? And does that is that what it looks like on the pitch? I mean, he said so, right? He said like he was asked this specific question in a um, press conference, and he said, "I don't like when teams rely only on one player because it's easy to shut them down. You just man mark one player, and I mean the whole team's plan crumbles." So he said, "I'm happy if Lobotka plays fewer balls passes." 
which is kind of a, I don't know, kind of a weird answer in a way. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, I know this team won the Scudetto last year and it was it relied on Lobotka to do that. But I don't like that. I'm going to change it completely. I can do better than that. I don't know. And it's like, uh, really? And also, he's so good at being marked, Lobotka. Yeah. One of the, the keys to our success, I think, last year was that often players would, uh, teams would mark or double mark Lobotka. And he's brilliantly um, press resistant. You know, one of my favorite sights on a football pitch is those, those circles that Lobotka did last season, where he just avoids everybody that then creates a huge amount of space because the team's committed a couple of players to try to shut down a register creates more space in midfield which then gets exploited which then creates chances right and fair enough if all we were doing was passing the ball to Kavadat Scalia and saying dribble and score you would need to do something about it but to like take that fundamental piece the heartbeat of the team the conductor away confuse him you know, he's a bit of a fragile dude as well, isn't he? I mean, he was all over the place when he joined us. Something clearly happened. You told me it's because he got divorced, but maybe maybe it was also <laughs> um, Spalletta. Was, obviously got him a spine, got him in shape. And I'm just really concerned that he's going to lose his confidence and lose his way a bit. Maybe he's got remarried. Is that what's happening? Yeah, that's what I was about to say there. I'm not, I'm not aware of it, even though actually I saw... Like a few months ago, I saw, I saw a, a a a woman approaching the stadium, and she approached the the area where the, you know, the VIP people get in, and uh, yeah, he said she said Lobotka, and they let us, they let them through, like this woman with with other people. So I mean, she was very beautiful. So I guess. I guess she was, unless she was the, the sister. I don't think so, though. We're getting very close to the, the aborted um, rumours section of this podcast, which, uh, due to legal reasons, uh, we, we no longer run. Um, but the <laughs> maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he needs to get remarried. Maybe he's been off too long now, um, sowing his wild oats, as we would say. Yeah, in, or, in maybe, or maybe just the Garcia effect. Yes, I think it's probably Garcia, I think. So I think, I, think I mean, we've got to be careful. Like, I was a bit drunk and after the game and I had to like not tweet a bit because the initial feeling, isn't it, is to go, how on earth, how on earth can we go from Luciano Spalletti to Rudy Garcia? What is going on in your head as an owner? Why are you trying to save money on a misstep? In a league like Serie A as well, which is where the tactics is incredibly important, you get found out really quickly. And he could prove me wrong and that this is some kind of transition into a more flexible, versatile team. And I apologise, Rudy, in advance. But I just can't see it. And it does make me a bit sad and angry that we've really dropped the ball on hiring the appropriate coach. Was there any of that in the Corva? How do how do they feel about Rudy Garcia? How did they feel when it was announced? Was there any talk of that like pre Sassuolo too? Like not just when we obviously when you lose everybody hates everybody. Yeah. But in the build up to Sassuolo, the first home game, was there any talk about Garcia? Any sort of skepticism or feeling is this is this the right guy? You know, it's. I think I think I mean it's hard to answer that because obviously when Garcia was appointed, I wasn't in the Corva because it was during summer. But 
speaking to you know friends and stuff it's just that i mean there was a lot of there is a lot of uh, i don't know just like uh, it's hard to explain just like okay what what is a guy like garcia doing here i mean this happens a lot with with the laurentis to be honest for better or worse because we had the same reaction with sari was appointed it was like what why do we need Sarri? what the, what the hell is a sari so even maradona I, mean, I remember what maradona was saying you know not that he's a great expert on everything bless him he was a wonderful <laughs> player but you know um yeah yeah i just but the difference with sari right is that he'd come from nothing you know what i mean like he was yeah. on that upward trajectory wasn't it he'd would been with empoli hadn't he and you know there was a sense that they'd taken a risk on somebody whose system they thought could work on the way up. Whereas Rudy Garcia is a known average quantity. So it's a bit mean to say that, but it's true. He's a known quantity and a known quantity that isn't a brilliant track record, I suppose. So that was where my cynicism came from. But um, we're only three games in. What do you think? Am I overreacting, Michaela? You're there. I mean, we're still in the heat of the moment right now. So I'm trying to restrain myself from judging. You know, it's, it's hard though, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's just hard. Like yesterday was a very depressing, very depressing game. And the whole second half, you know, you want them to attack. You want them to try something. And we did absolutely, absolutely nothing the whole time. It is very depressing to see players who stop running you know, even like depressing. Like the first half was good, but we stopped pressing after 20 minutes. Yeah, so we were that, was, like, that was so noticeable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were pressing like very high. And I mean, I, I noticed because when we were doing it, um, I mean, first of all, we were pressing towards Curva B, so I could see that very well. And it was working, I, in my opinion. We didn't, we, didn't, uh, we, we didn't score because of that pressing, but I think it was working and if we kept that up, something would have happened because clearly, and we know that with Sari, Lazio players had the directive not to waste any balls. So if you're pressed, they could never waste a pass or ball. Like they, for them, it's not an option to just, you know, oh, okay, I'm pressed. Uh, I don't have any passing option. I would just throw the ball as far away as possible. They don't do that. They never do that. So if you eventually, if you keep pressing, if you do that well, I think at one point they're prone to mistakes. It's it's hard to press. It's very hard to press, especially a team like that, which is, I mean, obviously trained to respond to that kind of press. I think it's hard as hard to press as it is hard to evade that press. Sorry, yeah. but and they are very well. They are very well trained to do that, as we know, because we had sorry and we did exactly that. And sometimes it didn't work. Um, but yeah, we're a good team. So I think at that point, at that moment, it was working. And then after a while, after 20 minutes, it just disappeared. We just lowered our balance, our balance like 20 meters uh, behind. And we just relied on, I don't know, waiting for Lazio. And, uh, that didn't, and then also sort of, if you compare, I watched it again, as I told you before. <laughs> I watched it yeah, again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, if you compare both teams off the ball, right, it's really interesting, particularly in the second half, when we would advance 
trying to cause create a chance. Lazio would create the, these kind of box midfields around, you know, either the player with the ball or the people who the ball would go to. Incredible discipline, incredible shape. Now, when we didn't have the ball, there was no shape. There was no plan. I couldn't see. It's really interesting what you're saying about about the press. But I think, yeah, 25 minutes in the second half, that plan off the ball and those shapes off the ball that are so important just didn't really didn't seem to be there. And that was incredibly frustrating to watch both times. Um, I think um, there, I think there is something important to consider here, which again is Garcia hasn't had much time to work on those off the ball shapes, and I think it does really look like a team working under a new manager but again why not keep the the blueprint of success and start to gradually change some of those things because also the, the way that we would attack was completely incoherent as well because if you just attack you know you talk about the boxers basically saying oh sod it i'm gonna have a go now there's no one left behind there's no shape left behind so you can just get counter-attack and that's how you have Juan Jesus, I think it was, and the entire Lazio team for that disallowed goal, which was very tight for the offside. Anyway, I'm going to pivot now to a listener question because I think otherwise we, we are going to start crying. So, um, Raffaele, who um, asked us a question last time, the ADL question, uh, at Raffaele Sons on Twitter. Okay, there's two halves. One is a very quick culinary question, but the second one is a football question that I think would be quite interesting to hear your thoughts. So first of all, does Michele know and like mozzarella in carrozza? Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, a dish... Delicious. Well, well indeed. And um, Raffaele says, it's a dish that you can easily replicate outside of Naples. We're going to debate this in a second. And then the second bit is, regarding Napoli, who do you trust on corner kicks defending... And who do you like to have on offensive corner kicks? Um, I think there's actually a well, this question was asked a few weeks ago, but I think actually it's a good question to answer after Lazio. But let's start with the, with, with the mozzarella. What's so good about it and why is it so easy to replicate? I mean, it's fried mozzarella. Do I have to say more? <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> it's just amazing. Just, I mean, it's, it's juicy and crunchy, and I mean, it's fried. It's it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's yeah. I mean, it's easy to replicate. I don't know. I mean, you still need. Okay, it's not. It's not necessary to have, you know, top level mozzarella for this kind of thing. But still, you know, it's you 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 do need good mozzarella. I think. For have oh, yeah. I mean, it's the name is mozzarella and carrozza. So, I, mean, I think you do need. Decent mozzarella, because the good thing about mozzarella and carrozza is that it's crunchy outside, but it's still juicy inside. Oh yes. And some mozzarella, even when they are fresh, they are not juicy at all. So, I mean, you still need good mozzarella, in my opinion. Uh, it's not as important. Like I wouldn't waste amazing mozzarella for mozzarella and carrozza, because amazing mozzarella needs to be eaten in a simple way with just like freshly cut tomatoes, some basil and and just like juicy mozzarella, just like mozzarella di bufala with it. It's just, that's that's the way you, you, you eat it because you don't have to waste, you know, you don't have to accompany yeah. it to anything else. Um, Okay, that's the important part of the question. I'm hungry Go now. On. I'm so hungry. I'm, so yeah. hungry. I'm a, bit, a bit hungover. It's such a good thing to eat when you're hungover as well. Yeah. 
So going towards the more uh, trivial questions, the questions yeah, about football. football. God. Yeah, yeah, who needs that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I like to say that we had last year where um, offensive, offensively, we would keep Lobotka in the back as a last man, and we would have, um, I mean, we would be in charge of the of the corner kicks, like Zieliski or yeah, something. yeah. So, uh, I mean, Zielinski, he got a few assists. He seems to, but again, it was more the plan. It was like the actual yeah. plans behind the corners were so much better. I think. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, I think I think uh, like yesterday, what I saw was that. When on on the defensive side of uh, corner kicks, we had uh, Politano and Kvaraskelia, um just like no going to the box, but ready for a counter attack, and that was fine, I guess. I mean, it, it, we never we never did anything with it, but I think that could work. Um, in terms of our attacking corner kicks, I don't like the way we take them too much. I don't think Zieliski is very good at it. I think we, we had a few connectives and we wasted the majority of them with very bad, just very bad connectives in general. It was, it was noticeably... Uh, way too low. Yeah, it was noticeably more wasteful. I think I've just... Just trying to think, where have we scored from a corner this season? No, we're going to say we've scored 12 goals from corners this season. I don't think we have. It's been noticeably less impressive, I think. than and It was one of the big things about last year was that we were scoring goals from set pieces. And again, I don't think it's necessarily to do with who's taking them. It's the plans that are behind them. And again, I think, again, that's an off-the-ball thing. It's a shape thing. It's who's making the runs, who's covering what. And that doesn't seem as coherent, does it? Um, I wonder, can Lindstrom take corners? Question mark. Maybe he could. He didn't seem brilliant, uh, but he'd only just arrived, so let's give him a chance. I don't even. I don't even think it's just that. You know, like when nothing is working on a team level, and you sub the new guy in, and he's thrown into this confused, weird game where you are so desperate because you're losing at home and you've been trying for forty minutes and nothing is working. Uh, I don't think it's fair to judge. Like any player in that case. Absolutely. In fact, actually, that pivots into something I'd quite like to discuss, which is our Brazilian centre-back, not Juan Jesus. Can you call him a centre-back? I suppose centre-back in inverted commas. I'm, I want to talk about Nathan. Nathan? I don't quite know how to say his name. And, okay, I can understand Garcia's logic. He doesn't want to throw him into Italy, different league to Brazil. But the other way of looking at it is perhaps... He's put more pressure on him now because we're sort of very clearly not going to succeed with Juan Jesus at centre-back. So now when Nathan starts, he's going to be under so much more scrutiny than he would have been if he'd just started against Frosinone or even Sassuolo at home. Um what are your feelings on him? Are you feeling excited about him or are you feeling like he's got to come in and he's got to hit the ground running? I have no man. I have no clue. I have no idea. I don't know. Just like we spent feel... a lot of money on him, as you said yeah, on the last that's show. The thing. Yeah, it feels like a such a weird signing. You know, like we spent a lot of money, and I mean, I don't follow international football, so I don't know. But it's just that I don't know. That's a lot of money for someone coming from Brazil, right? And 
it is weird that I mean, I, in my opinion, you don't spend that that kind of money, especially if you're Napoli, if you're not start, if you're not planning to make him a starter. Um, but Garcia because... has come out and said that he's helping him acclimatize. But then it's like in Macbeth, right? The play. Um, people talk about him for. I think he's, he arrives in Act One, Scene Three, and people talk about him in Act One, Scene One, and Act One, Scene Two a lot, and. You know, in the audience, you're thinking, who's this Macbeth guy? This play's called Macbeth. And everyone's talking about this guy. And Shakespeare, he was quite good at writing plays, is building up a sense of anticipation. And when he does arrive, you're like, oh, right, okay, here's this person. Garcia's kind of doing the same thing, which I think for a young centre-back, new to the league, is not a great example of man management, I would say. Maybe I'm being unfair here. But like, I'm going to be really scrutinizing that guy the moment he takes to the pitch. Now, I think a lot more than if he'd played away at Frosted on it. I guess, yeah. I mean, it, again, it, the, the same thing I did, the same thing I said applied to Lindstrom, I think it will apply to, to Nava. Well, exactly. That's what so, gave me the thought because with all this chaos, it's like the worst environment to put a player into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's early to call it chaos. Hopefully. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, hopefully it's not gonna be like... it's not gonna be the case. And I mean, let's not forget that Lazio is a good Lazio is a very good side. So, I mean, they didn't make things easier, and we did they have a lot of chances in the first half. Hmm. Still, in a very confused way, in my opinion. it was manic. Well, that first five minutes, yeah. everyone's like, "We played brilliant in the first five minutes." I thought we played like the old days a bit, where we just would run around a lot and get very overexcited. I think this is due to the fact that. The team is good. Actually, the players are, are good. They're there and they're actually like valid. But you know, I guess they then they remembered they remember how they prepared the game and they just slowly went into it and we became shit after like 20, 25 minutes. Uh yeah, man, I don't know. It just like it was a depressing game and not just because of the results. Like I'm happy, like I'm I can lose, I can tie. If I if the performance is there, I'm happy and I, I can I can yeah. I can see it. So if you remember like this year, like at this time one year ago, we tied against Lecce. Yep. And you were very level headed. Very level headed. I remember. That's what I see. That's what I see. It was a great I think it was a great game. And unlucky game. I hate when I hate when people say, Oh yeah, we lost it. We lost the game, but it was just unlucky, you know. Like we tried, we had a few chances that we didn't score. Man, this happened. Like almost no one scores. Like one shoot, one shot, one goal. I mean, of course, to to, to score goals, you have to have way more chances than you actually score. So yeah, yeah, oh, yeah but we shot six times on goals and we didn't score. Yeah, okay, but that's normal. Like you have to, you have to, you have to shoot a, a target many, many times in order to score one. So every time, like some people are like, "Oh yeah, we we didn't win, but we had our chances. We just weren't good enough to, to 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 take advantage of them." I don't think I don't think that's always true. It's just that sometimes it is sometimes it is just bad luck, but it's not always the case. I think a very tiny amount of uh, losses are due to bad luck. I think oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a a loss, but when we tied. Last year against Lecce, I think that was bad luck. We the performance was there. They never gave up. They tried until the end. Just it didn't happen. It, I mean, it's, it happens. You know, it's football. Um, it's 
not yeah. always that the best team wins. But yesterday, I think it was absolutely deserved. I mean, yeah. Lazio prepared the game like that, and they say, "Oh yeah, but they didn't they didn't score too much." But you don't prepare the game, um, thinking you will just like overpower Napoli at home, you know, like in Napoli. Yeah. You you just select your chances and you take advantage of them fully. Um, they were very close to scoring four goals yesterday. It's just like very like off size just by a few centimeters so um... and I th- yeah and i think that that's watching it there are some things that urgently need fixing about the way that the team's playing i suppose yeah i totally agree and i do worry that our next game's away at genoa that i think i've had a very smart mercato they've got some very good players and the attendances at Genoa, I think are the fourth best in Italy or something like that. No, they sold the fourth most season tickets in the whole of Italy. So the I know the the atmosphere there, I think in the first game of the season was absolutely incredible. So if you're playing in a team and you're a bit unsure exactly what you're supposed to be doing, that's not somewhere you want to go, particularly as the Champions League is after it, isn't it? We've got Genoa, then we've got the first Champions League. So all those sort of things that prey on players' minds um, could be quite challenging, but hey, let's see. We've got there's the international break, isn't there? And there's a little bit of a gap now between uh, now and the next game. So let's hope Rudy Garcia can get on the pitch. But most of the players will be away playing for their countries. Yeah. Um, talking of tickets, um, the ticket prices have gone up a lot, right? This year, unfortunately, yeah. Like so. Tell us a bit about that. Are they three times as much or something? I, I read, but I could be wrong. It was on no, social like media. They, I would say, again, they improvise these things, so there's no real like logic behind it. But uh, I think um, I think they increase prices by about fifty percent. So, for example, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, can remember last last season's prices against Lazio. But you know this 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 year was was way too high and yeah this is the reason why we had we didn't have a sold out stadium yesterday at uh, well I mean on for the Lazio game and we didn't have a sold out game against Sassuolo and I am afraid I am very afraid that if they keep this pricing level and if they keep applying that stupid restriction of the fan card which is mandatory I mean they made it mandatory for this first two home games I don't know whether they're going to do that for the rest of the season. It is a very stupid rule. Um, I think it's just greed because there is no security reason behind it because let's not forget that the fan card is first and foremost a security uh, tool, let's say. It's a governative card and it's just, it kind of, it, it was a way for the government to track people who couldn't go to the stadium. So yep. the, the the logic behind it is if you can get the fan card, you can get the ticket. But in order to get the fan card, you, you they will submit a request to the police database. And if you have like if you have like past crimes, you know, uh, related to football, they will not issue the fan card. And as a consequence, you will not be able to get a ticket. In is theory. that also true for overseas fans? Because I know a lot of people listening to this show like to come and visit Naples and and come and see. The game. So, do you need a fan card if you're, I don't know, living in Paisley and you want to come to Naples and watch a game? 
if if the fan card is made mandatory for a game, then it's mandatory for everyone, for everyone. Right. So yeah, I mean, ho hopefully they will change that in the future because it's a very stupid, it's a very stupid uh, restriction applied by Napoli and Napoli only, which makes tickets way more expensive than they should be. They are already they are already very expensive, but if you have to add the fan card cost to it, then it's even more expensive. Yeah. So yeah, it's and also it keeps and... the casual fans away as well. So like, if you live in Naples, you're like, oh, I'm, I fancy, I couldn't get a ticket for the big Scudetto run in, but maybe I can go and see them play Sassuolo. If you then have to get a fan card, there's a whole bunch of procedures you have to go through. It's you're yeah. not just going to turn up and buy a ticket. Okay, so and as you say, the the ultras now aren't putting as much pressure on the ownership. So perhaps it's harder to try to get these kind of changes um, implemented. Was it the um, was it the Roma fans were protesting about ticket prices, I think, last, maybe this weekend? Maybe they should protest also about how that team's playing. But I shouldn't complain. Um, okay, cool. Well, I think we've done all right. I think, you know, it's never easy to talk about Napoli after Napoli have lost. But I think... It's useful to sort of talk through, I think, the reasons why people are getting a bit concerned that I think goes beyond just being a football fan, right? Um, have you picked a suitable Neapolitan expression of the week, McKinley? I have picked a Neapolitan expression of the week. This is something that a friend of mine uh, told me uh, a few a few days ago, and I found it very funny. It's just I didn't, I didn't know this expression. I just found it funny. I think it could be applied to maybe Garcia's words. Maybe not what he said so far, but what he's gonna say in the future. Hopefully not. But... So that I will I will say the, the, the expression and then I will explain because I think it's funny. So the question the the expression is um uh, very simple. Acquaiolo, l'acqua fresca, acquaiolo, l'acqua fresca. So this is in Neapolitan and Italian, and the translation would be I mean, Aquayola would be the guy who sells water, water carrier, water vendor. And so is the, the expression is someone was asking the water vendor, water vendor is the water fresh? And this is the expression. And the expression is, the meaning of the expression is, I mean, it, it, there are different versions and it could also go on. And the water vendor replies, oh yeah, of course, it's very fresh. The meaning of the phrase is that you don't really, there is no point in asking a water vendor if the water is fresh because there is no answer he can give you other than, yes, it is fresh. <laughs> because that's that's the way he makes a living. And there is no way he's going to say, oh yeah, that's all I sell and it is not good, so go away. It is a pointless question. So you don't ask a water vendor if his water is fresh because there is only one possible answer. And in the same vein, I don't think you can ask Garcia whether his team is good <laughs> and whether the performance was fine and everything, because what, what can he say? He's newly appointed. And I mean, I guess this is true for all managers. It's yeah, very it's rare to find a manager who's going to say, oh yeah, we're shit today. And I mean, I, some of I them, love it. yeah, some of them say that, but yeah, I mean, I don't think Garcia is that kind of guy, especially now. I mean, it is, right. it, it does make sense that he's defensive about it. So, yeah. I mean, I think, Garcia, but it's is Napoli good? Yeah, of course it is. Uh... We're going to be fine. I mean, it's, we've, we've basically, you summed everything up by talking about a pizza and a Neapolitan expression. We didn't need any of the stuff in the middle. 
we could have we could have done a five minute podcast and we would have summed up exactly what's going on i love it can you just say it once more so we get it in our in our ears to take ourselves home with like fresca beautiful right well, I think it's funny. I find it funny when he said that it. to me. When he said that to me, I was like, "What the fuck? What does that mean?" It's like, "Oh yeah, no, this means this is and that." Oh, that's amazing. So, I blame yeah. him. I blame him. He he prophesized the, yes. the, the, the defeat. So okay, well, hopefully next time we'll gather together, we'll be a little bit more positive. Is there uh, anything you want to say before we before we bounce before we go off? I don't know, man. I'm just I'm a bit happy not to have Napoli play for the next two weeks because if we had another performance like yesterday in like a week I would I don't think I could survive it it was devastating yeah so um yeah I mean no it's not usually something I say but yeah I'm happy I'm gonna see less Napoli in the next two weeks um I mean there are a lot of things to talk about you know we had the Champions League draw and you know the new shirt I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just like, what's the point? I'm a little bit scared of the Champions League after yesterday's game. Mm. Because actually, people... against smart teams, we looked yeah. quite stupid, didn't exactly. we? Exactly. That's and what I was a... about to say, yes. So a lot of people said, oh, no, but we were fine against Sassuolo and Frosinone. First of all, were we? And second of all, um, yeah, I mean, it's Sassuolo and Frosinone. So... Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, against Lazio, we looked like, yeah, we looked bad. So yeah, let's see. Let's... let's see what happens in Champions League. And let's hope Garcia has a couple of weeks to think about things and perhaps work out how to get his vision across a bit more clearly. Uh, maybe we can do one. I mean, we should do one ahead of the Champions League. I think where we can just talk specifically about that. Um, okay. Well, uh, you can find Michele at Napoli Tickets on the Twitter, right? You can. Um, and you should. Indeed. And I'm at Henry Balcalcio. And, you, can, you, uh, can, you can avoid that. Yeah. No, no, you don't, no, need, no need. Absolutely no need. Because uh, I've just got so many followers. I don't need any more. I don't even know if I can have any more. Um, and this is part of the Far From Vesuvius network at Far From Vesuvius. Check out the other show at Napoli Rant by uh, Ralph and Raf. Hey, fellas. And um, everybody take care. And let's bring it back in a couple of weeks and maybe everything will be a bit better. Forza Napoli. Sempre.